for the next four Sundays, I want to speak to you on the subject of the circle maker. And I'll tell you how I came about it while you find Joshua 6. During the transition of the Christmas to New Year's, I'd already selected a couple of books that I wanted to spend time with in anticipation of the new year along with my Bible and as God has a way of doing things his plan comes to us in ways sometimes we don't expect on a particular day my wife said to me she said I want you to read this book and I know you have other things you want to read and they're good she downloaded the book through the website and purchased it that way I hold it in my hand. It's called a circle maker. The author of the book is Mark Batterson. He's the pastor of the National Community Church in Washington, D.C., a church in seven locations, most of them in theaters. And God has done an awesome kind of work in his life. And he has marvelous truths from the Scripture and personal testimonies of what the power of prayer can do. The purpose of the book And the the theme of it is praying circles around your biggest dreams and greatest fears. Did you catch that? For the next four weeks, I want to talk to you from the inspiration God has given this brother and the inspiration God's giving me from having spent time in this book. And I've given a copy to all the staff and I've given a copy to Brother Sammy Bird, who is the leader of our prayer ministry. And for the next 21 days, we're going to spend time considering what the power of prayer can do. And so, I'm going to use this book as a source of material. And if you, and I hope if you want to buy it, you can. I don't always bring you a lot of books and bring you a bunch of stuff. I, I just, it's the way things hit me. Three years ago, I told you about the book Crazy Love. And I preached a series on it. It's changed my life. You see, if you're expecting your power, your anointing, your life change to come from me or the elders or the staff, you're going to only get a little bit of power, a little bit of change. But if you're expecting your power, your anointing, your marriage, your children, your healing to come from God, that's where you'll get all that you need. But all along the way, God deposits people in our lives, resources in our lives, prayer partners in our lives, that even though we've heard it before, He says, hear it again. So I'm going to talk to you about the circle maker. Beginning today, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. I know you've been standing for a moment, but Terry, if you will, and you can physically, do it please. Joshua 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king, and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. 
The armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout! Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around at once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. Then the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew, blew the, the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, on that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the trumpets, priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now verse 20. So the people shouted with the priests, blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, and the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Point your hands in my direction for 15 seconds, offer a prayer. It's not going to take long. Just pray right now. Father, I receive the prayers of the church. Come on, let me hear you pray the power of God's anointing upon all of us. Oh God, I thank you that this place has already been bathed with prayer. Prayer yesterday morning. Prayer this morning. Prayer in the first service. Prayer right now. Loose the chains that will bind us. Rebuke any distractions, oh God. That our minds be riveted to the Lord and His Word. So that we might go up higher. And while going deeper at the same time in God. Sanctify us. And change us according to your will. Christ's name. Amen? Amen. And you may be seated in His presence. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. And so if you purchase this book or you've already started reading it, those of you who have it, this that I'm introducing this series in or with comes directly from the authorship of Pastor Mark Batterson. It was the first century B.C., a devastating drought threatened to destroy a generation, the generation before Jesus, B.C., before Christ. The last of the Jewish prophets had died off nearly four centuries before. Miracles were a distant memory, so distant that they seemed to be like a false memory. God was nowhere to be heard. But there was one man, an eccentric sage, who lived outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem, who dared to pray anyhow. His name was Honai, H-O-N-I. And even if the people could no longer hear God, Honai believed that God could still hear them. When rain is plentiful... It's an afterthought. During a drought, it's the only thought. And Honai was the people's only hope. 
famous for his ability to pray for rain, it was on this day. The day that Honai would earn his nickname, the Circle Maker. With a six-foot staff in his hand, Honai began to turn like a math compass. His circular movement on the soil, dry, parched ground with a six-foot staff in his hand, began to go to 70 degrees, 90 degrees, 120 degrees, 180 degrees, 270 degrees, with a six-foot staff in his hand, drew a circle 360 degrees. After what seemed like hours, but had only been seconds, Honai stood in the middle of the circle he had drawn. Then he dropped to his knees and raised both of his hands to heaven. With the authority of the prophet Elijah, who called down fire from heaven centuries before, Honai called down rain. And this is how he prayed. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. The words sent a shudder down the spine of all those who were within earshot that day. It wasn't just the volume of Honai's voice that got their attention. It was the authority in his tone. In his tone, there was not a hint of doubt. This prayer didn't originate in Honai's vocal cords. But like water from an artesian well, the words flowed from the depth of his soul. His prayer was resolute, but humble. His prayer was confident, but meek. His prayer was expectant, but unassuming. Then when everybody looking on, it happened. As his prayers ascended to the heavens, raindrops began descending to the earth. An audible gasp swept across the thousands of of people who had now gathered to see this man, Honai, standing in a circle he had drawn in the soil. Every head turned heavenward as the first raindrops parachuted from the sky, but Honai's head remained bowed in a circle. The people rejoiced over every drop, but Honai wasn't satisfied with a sprinkle. Still kneeling within the circle, Honai lifted up his voice over the sounds of the celebration of praise because it had started to rain, and he continued his prayer by saying, Not for such rain have I prayed, but rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. Those who were there bear witness, and it's been recorded down through the eons of time, 
the sprinkle turned into such a torrential downpour that eyewitnesses said no raindrop was smaller than an egg in size. I mean, when God does it, He does it right. It rained so heavily and so steadily that the people fled to the Temple Mount in order to escape what would be a flash flood. Honai stayed, however, inside the protracted circle he had drawn. And he dared to continue his bold request by saying this to God. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of thy favor and thy blessing and thy graciousness. Then like a well-proportioned sun shower on a hot August afternoon, it began to rain calmly and peacefully. Each raindrop was a tangible token of God's grace. These raindrops didn't just wet the skin of the people in the rain. But a matter of fact, it soaked their spirit with greater faith. It would be forever remembered as the day. The day thunderclaps applauded the Almighty God. The day that puddle jumping became an act of praising God. The day the legend of the circle maker was born. You see, it had been difficult to believe the day before the day because there was no rain. The day after the day, however, it was impossible not to believe because God didn't just send rain. He sent a latter day rain. And Honai was, of course, celebrated like a hometown hero by everybody whose life had been spared because this had been a long drought. This had been a drought where the grass had turned brown. And where there was grass, it was brown. Where there wasn't grass any places. The, the, the rivers and the streams had dried up. The livestock had gotten barren and skinny. And there was, there was no food in the cupboard because, because the place had been so dry and there was no vegetation But as it is, whenever God does something spectacular, there are always going to be people who are critics. And there are always going to be people who are going to judge and find some kind of fault, some kind of way. The same was true for Honai. There were some supposedly religious people, the people of the Sanhedrin of his day, who were supposed to be the religious leaders of the Jewish faith. They called Honai into question. There's a certain group of them who who questioned the fact that he drew a circle and demanded from God that God would send down rain. Maybe it was the same kind of people from the Sanhedrin who a generation later who would call Jesus into question after he would heal a man with a paralyzed hand on the Sabbath day. Somebody help me preach here. But you see, the fact of the matter was, even though they threatened to excommunicate Honai from the Jewish faith and from the synagogue, they couldn't doubt the fact that the land was dry, but now God had sent rain and the vegetation was growing. The fact that God answered the prayer of Honai, the circle maker, could not be repudiated. And as a result, they could not put him in jail or excommunicate him. Because when God does something, he shows up and he shows out. Somebody give the Lord some praise for answering our prayers better than we expect. 
The prayer that saved the generation was deemed one of the most significant prayers in all of Israel's history. That's over 2,000 years ago now. The circle that Honai drew in the sand became sort of a sacred symbol. And the legend of Honai, the circle maker, stands forever as a testimony to the power of a single prayer that has the capacity to change the course of history for not only a man or a few people, but for an entire nation. One single prayer prayed in the will of God has potency beyond our capacity. Hear me, church. It's been 2,000 years now since we have... The truth of that legend of Honai, the circle maker. But what was true in Honai's day is true for January 8, 2012, this Sunday morning. And I'm going to say this. God is still looking for circle makers. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want you to understand, and I have come to appreciate by the reminder of this wonderful offer, and by me looking into the Scriptures again, I have come to appreciate that bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. Did I hear you say amen? Matter of fact, I want to challenge you, church, with this sermon and the ones to follow for the next three weeks. I want to say this to you. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. Matter of fact, he is offended with anything less. If, you pray, if your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are probably insulting to God. Because if your prayers are not impossible to you, that means that you can answer your own prayers and you don't need God. Uh, somebody need to help me preach or I've been known to preach by myself. If you can fix the car, go fix it. If you can fix the marriage, go fix it. If you can deliver the drug addict or whatever, you go do it. If you can pay off the debt, you go do it. If you can fulfill your own dream, you go do it. But if you can't do it, that doesn't run God off and it doesn't scare God. Bow prayers honor God and God honors bow prayers. Thank you, Jesus. You see, what God is looking for is, is somebody who says, you know what, God, here I am standing at the Red Sea. I got a million and a half people behind me. And, and Pharaoh's army is going to come and kill us. And he's going to run us in this sea and drown us. But bold prayer says, God, we need a way. And it says, God, the only way I see is for you parting these waters. Bold prayer says, God, I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord. But I, I know this one thing. Oh, my Lord, the sun is about to go down. Joshua said, my enemies have not yet been defeated. And I need the sun to stay a little bit longer in the sky. That's the kind of bold prayers that God honors. Bold prayer says, God, I borrowed an axe from somebody. It's not mine. But the axe head fell off and went into the river and it sunk. I need for you to make that iron axe head float so I can give back the tool. That kind of prayers. God is waiting for you and I to pray in 2012. Put your hands together and thank God He answers them. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to tell you there is nothing God loves more than keeping His promises. <laughs> Y'all didn't hear me. There is nothing God loves more than answering prayers, performing miracles, and fulfilling dreams that He gave us. <laughs> Ooh, I feel a what? glory coming. You see, sometimes I, sometimes I just forget about you and preach to me. That's who God is. He answers prayers. He fulfills dreams. He does miracles. That's what He does. I'm a papa now. I'm a grandpa. Papa. 
You let Lakeland walk in here or somewhere in, in the presence of a hundred people or five hundred people. He comes in, he, oh, oh, and I'm talking to somebody else doing something else, and all he says is, Papa. <laughs> you can forget you because I've already forgotten you. <laughs> I love you and everything, but uh, there's just something. Like, they used to tell me that, that being a grandpa was, was so good, and I thought, nah, nah. I told my wife this Christmas, we ain't putting no financial limits on gifts we given to Lakeland. <laughs> Jennifer, our oldest daughter and her husband, Edward, put a limit. They got jobs. Kimberly and, 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 and JC, they got jobs. But Lakeland, oh, I, I tell you, I love spoiling my grandson. <laughs> That's what papas do. That's what... Grandmas, my wife's known as Mia, to, uh, and, and this couple got Opie and what else? Is that what it is? I don't know. The, how, Opa and Omi? Yeah, that's, that's what they're being called. That's German, am I right? I don't, I don't, you all don't even care if they, if, if they call you collect. I remember when you used to make phone calls collect. Personal, I, if, if I know Pastor Jeff's heart as a, as a grandpa and I know some of you other they don't even care if you call them at 12 o'clock midnight or 12 o'clock in the daytime. If your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter got a need, your desire is to bless them and protect them. I wish somebody helped me praise the Lord. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying God is for you. Yes. God is for you. He's not against you. Pastor, how do you know God is for you? Calvary. Jesus. The blood. Whoever died for you. Huh? Whoever purchased your salvation. God is for you. If somehow you could get to, to knowledge that God is for me and not against me, you'll start to be praying bigger prayers. He'll draw you a circle like Honai did. And you'll stand in the middle of that circle. And you'll say, God, I'm not leaving this circle until you bless my marriage. You bless my mind. You bless my children. You bless my money. Because I believe you are for me and not against me. Come on, clap your hand. Yes, I said God is for you. Uh, don't worry. Hang in there. We ain't going crazy. We're just about there, though. If you want a quiet, serene, calm church, we got recommendations by the dozens. If this ain't your fit, I, I ain't apologizing. Okay? Because I'm praising God that He is for me and not against me. When I go to see the Braves play, I get me my pistachio nuts and a Coca-Cola and a hot dog, and I'm yelling, go Braves. Matter of fact, don't interrupt me. After about 3 o'clock this afternoon, I'll be laying on my couch yelling, go Falcons, beat the tar out of the New York Giants. Okay? When I'm in the right context, I'm celebrating. Okay? You understand? So I, I'm here this morning not apologizing because of what He's done for me that nobody else has ever done. God is for me. He is not against me. He loves me. So I'm going to praise Him anyhow and all kinds of hows. Come on and praise Him if He's ever blessed you. Yes. 
I've had people tell me they were for me, only to look back and find out they were way behind, way behind. I had to have a, I had to have some telescope to find where they were. Come on, help me preach here. Yeah, God's for you. You don't have to sneak up on Him and pick His pocket to get a blessing. Help me preach here. You don't have to come up to God and say, could I borrow 50 cents? Yeah. That ain't how it works with my grandson. That ain't how it works with my kids. I don't want my kids to think I'm a money tree. I want them to know that, that everything's cost. But well, I'm telling you, I'm for my kids. Can I get an amen? amen? The Bible says if you earthly parents, if your children ask you, your child asks you for bread, would you give him a, a scorpion? If you ask him for, and I may not have this all completely word for it, if you ask him for, for food, would you give him a rock? No. You earthly parents, the Bible says, delight to give good gifts to your children. You're... If you earthly parents, Jesus said, delight to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father delight to give you good gifts, even give you the kingdom of God? God is for you. So it's time for you to draw a circle like Honai and stand in that circle and see what the power of prayer will do. Because... Who you become is determined by how you pray. You all didn't hear me. If you pray in little namby-pamby, lay me down to sleep, kind of get by prayer, that's what you'll always be. You'll be about as sturdy as this. You know I can knock this pulpit down with... No, I can't... You pray some Holy Ghost prayer. I could run a few of you out of here with this instead of this. Huh? This is namby-pamby, lay me down to sleep, kind of get by. If you have time, God, if you got a little bit of money, God, if, I, if you don't mind, if it be your will, God, when the Bible says it's His will to supply all your needs according to this, this is the kind of prayer I want mountain-moving prayer that says God is for me. You see, the Bible says your words are powerful. Yes. And so your prayers is kind of prophesying over yourself. When you say, God, I want to heal, I want you to heal my body. It's prophesying by faith, healing for your body. Your, your, your word is like a script of what your life is and what it's going to be. Your prayer words, your prayer words. You say, God, I want you to deliver my son or daughter from the wrong people and from drugs or alcohol. It's a prophecy over the one day your son and daughter going to be delivered. I want a better job. I want to own my own business. I want to give more to the kingdom of God. I want to finish high school. I want to finish college. I, 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 want, this, I want to be a singer. I want to be a musician. Uh, you, you're prophesying. You see, you, you become, you, who you become is determined by how you pray. Oh, help me, Jesus. I've got to tell you this because as we, as we move along, I've told this before, but I'm going to tell it again because I want to build your faith. One single prayer prayed like Honai in a circle that says, I'm not going to leave here until you bless me. Until you send rain. If it takes one hour, if it takes three hours, if it takes four days, if it takes a week, I'm determined that you are for me and not against me and I won't stay here. In 1984, 
This book wasn't available, but we were doing the principle this book talks about. Better yet, we were doing the principle what this book talks about. 1984, September. My wife and I drew a circle, prayer circle, around our ministry future from that day forward. We were living in Greer, South Carolina, the town outside of Greenville, South Carolina. I was the youth and Christian education pastor for the Greer Church of God under the leadership of Dr. George Alford. We had one daughter, four years old, Jennifer. Kimberly would come a few months later in 85, February, February 4. I had been praying, God, I know you call me to be a pastor. I've been serving for the last few years as a youth pastor, associate pastor, evangelist. I've been all kinds of ministry. But you put in my heart when you called me to preach at age 19 at the Park Place Church of God in Greenville, South Carolina. You put in my heart to be a pastor. And I went to Lee University, which back then was Lee College, because God gave, us, gave me the money to go. I said to the Lord, if you call me to be a preacher and I'm in the church of God as a preacher, I want to go to the best school the church of God has. And it was Lee University, still is, among other schools. My, my mother worked as a cafeteria kitchen worker. She never finished high school or middle school. My father was a traveling evangelist all over the eastern part of the United States. Sometimes he'd be gone from home up six weeks at a time. God supplied the money for me to go to school. And when I got out, I served under the ministry of my father-in-law, having him to be my tutor as a youth pastor for three years. Still in my spirit, up at the end of about three years, I, I, I want to assign you. I want, I want to. You're going to be a pastor. I went to South Carolina still, and, and, and the Lord kept, but, but I found me some comfort zones, some places where I could just be comfortable, not rock the boat. But still that dream was beating in my chest. That calling is like fire shut up in my bones, Jeremiah said. I resigned as youth pastor in September with not a job to go to, my wife expecting the next baby. Having had two opportunities since that resignation in 84 to go to two other churches as a youth pastor, an associate pastor, with better pay than the previous place. And I'm thinking, God, a baby's on the way, etc. What should I do? I started evangelizing. Preaching wherever I had an opportunity. Waiting for God to... The, we, Valerie and I says, God, we know there's a church, there's a ministry, there's a town, there's some place somewhere in your kingdom that you want us to establish and serve and become... Leaders and pastors. It was dry like Honai's desert was. You know sometimes when you step out and you draw a circle, all hell breaks loose? Can I get a witness? When you say, God, I'm going to trust you with my money, I'm going to trust you with my health, I'm going to trust you with with your word, the devil seems to hear it. He just just unleashes the hounds of hell right on you. That's where people step out of the circle and say, forget that circle, I'm going to run. And run from their blessing. I started. I couldn't get enough preaching appointments. And what I got, I thank God for. Started substitute teaching. Making $25 a day. I think that pay scale is still in operation now. <laughs> uh, things got kind of dried up in our finances. And the baby was on the way. Sometimes we'd go and people give us... I, I'd, preach, I'd preach one church for a week and they'd give me 50 bucks. <laughs> that tells you the value of my preaching. <laughs> go get a real job, boy. 
But that's all they could do is a small church. Sometimes people give us groceries. They used to call them poundings. Food by the pound. It got so bad we had to have our encouragers. We had to pray for our encouragers to keep encouraging us. Yeah. <laughs> you ever had to do that? Yeah. Don't you mind keep encouraging me? <laughs> we get a check here and there and God... Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've lived like that. Yeah, yeah. When you were in your circle, but for a season. Yeah. In the course of that time, I had put in 13 resumes to 13 different states in America to the bishops of the Church of God in those respective states, giving my application, my heart, my desire to be a pastor if there's an opening that they can use me. And they were all kind, but the, the, the commonality of their response was this, don't call us. <laughs> Y'all in the ministry too? <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. I had several interviews. Not, nothing happening. We, st- we stayed in our circle. Just in time, God would give us the money for the groceries. Just in time, God would give us the, the money we need for Valerie to have the, the next kind of exam as it relates to her pregnancy. Just in time. I, I, I got so desperate, nothing was happening. Now it was, what, September, October, November, December. And, and the baby's coming in February. I, I got another offer from a large church to come and be the youth pastor, and I took it. Because they had to feed my family, take care of God. Doesn't want me to be. I, mean, I came home and I, I told my wife. I said, "This large church, this is what it is, honey. This much money, etc. Everything I asked them for uh, that we needed for our family, they said they would make it happen according to what I asked within reason." And when I told her that, she started crying. And I thought, "Why are you crying? It must be because you're happy. Because you want security. You want me to. You want to know sure that the baby's going to be taken care of. You want me to know the rent's going to be paid. And so, you know, the security thing." She started crying because she said, that ain't what we're praying for. That ain't God's will. We're taking second best. That ain't God's will. I called the preacher the next day and said, sorry, we ain't coming. I can try to figure out God, but I can't figure out no crying woman. Looks like me and you are going to have lunch together, brother, all by ourselves. We'll meet up. Now, thank God for our spouses who causes us to stand right in the circle. She says, Alan, I'm, I'm trusting God. And that, around that time, God gave her a dream. It was long about December of 84. By March of 85, God says, I'm going to have you in an assignment as pastor. And the name of the church will begin with the letter P. I got the roster for the Church of God in South Carolina. That's where we were living. And I went every name down to the, starting with P. And I started with the big churches. I'll take that one, God. Take that one. And if you want to do it sooner than March, I'm, I'm okay. Dry as a desert. January. February. March 24, 2000, March 24, 1985, March 24, 1985. Remember now, it starts with P before the end of March 1985. I preached my first sermon three miles down the road in a church named 
Peachtree City Church of God. That ain't all. The man sitting over here, whose name is Roger Powell, his daughter sitting beside him, who sang this morning that special song with the choir. And if anything kind of makes Roger's boat rock a little bit, is for you to have him stand up and recognize him. Please stand up, Roger. He, this man was the pastor of that church in 1985. God had given him another assignment, and he was just waiting to move on. He invited me to preach at his church on January 1985, a revival. When I finished my first sermon on that Sunday morning of the revival, he said, Alan, you're the man that God wants for this church. He will tell you it didn't happen just that easy. It wasn't his to give and it wasn't mine's to earn. We had some people over us and around us. Am I right, Brother Powell? He stepped out on the limb. No wonder he doesn't have a job today. No, just kidding. <laughs> He's recently retired. And, and, he, and I say that. And he is a member of this church. Don't you, don't you love that his seed? Here's a man who sowed the seed. In 1975, he founded this church. 19, go ahead and give him a God bless you. 1975, founded this church. Yeah. Drew a circle. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Yeah. You see, I'm trying to tell you that when he started 1975, he's got an own story he can tell you. Of how when he drew the circle and his wife and his small children, how all hell broke loose. And and, and what, what I'm saying to you, but he didn't leave the circle until the other circle person had to come in. Can I get an amen? And, and what I'm saying to you, it, it has been 25, 27 years this month. It has changed my life. When I didn't even know some of the principles of the scripture as well as I know them now. But God said, Alan, do not leave that circle that you and Valerie drew. I called you to be pastors. I called you to an assignment. I was looking all over South Carolina when God had Georgia in his mind. And I'm telling you that if you will stay in your circle and you will pray until it rains and the thunder claps and the flood comes, God will bless you more back. And your capacity to contain if you will pray and hold on to the promises of God. Give him some more praise, somebody. Oh, I, I got to hurry here. Oh, mama, this, no wonder this is a series. Let, let, let me tell you something. If you keep circling the promise, God will ultimately deliver on it. I won't even go back to my text. Because you already know Jericho and the walls of Jericho. I don't have time to go back to my text. Except to tell you, God said, keep circling. God told Joshua to get the people in line. Select the priests. Select the army. Select the the, the musicians. And for the first six days, you march around Jericho. You know that Jericho was the first city they had to take in the promised land that God has given them. Can I get an amen? Amen. It was a city that had two walls surrounding it. One wall was about six feet wide and very high. The other wall was about 50 feet high and very wide. And it seemed like it was impenetrable. And God said to them, I'm going to give you that city of Jericho and prove myself as your source. If you'll do what I tell you. And after that, I'll give you other blessings in this land like I promised Moses and your predecessor Abraham. Can I get an amen? The long and short of it, God said you'd have to march around the wall 13 times. 
The first six days of your marching, you'd march one time a day around this 12-acre city, and then you'll come back. On the seventh day, you should rise up early, march seven times. And when I tell you, I want, when I tell you, Joshua says, when I command the people, the trumpet will blow loudly and the people will shout at the command of the word of God. And when the trumpet sounds and the people shout, God's going to bring the wall flat down. Did God do it? Can somebody say amen? The wall flat down. I believe it even sank into the ground. I even believe they didn't have to climb over too much rubble. I believe the Bible said they went in and they took the city because they did what God said by circling the promises of God. If you keep circling your marriage, your children, your health, your finances, your dreams, your visions, if you keep circling, God will ultimately deliver. What is your Jericho? I'm hurrying. What promise are you praying around? What miracle are you marching around? Can I get an amen here? What dream does your life revolve around this morning? If you're asking for nothing, you ain't getting anything. Can I get an amen? If you're not believing for anything. You see, there has to be... If you keep doing what you've always done, expecting change, you're never going to get change. You know, you've heard the cliche, but it's not just a cliche, it's a truth. You can't expect change in your life in 2012... Different from 2011 if you keep doing what you were doing in 2011. And so now you gotta, you got to draw a circle. you got to draw a circle and stand in the middle of the circle. And you got to take the dreams, the vision, the promise of the Word of God and stand in that circle and say, If I have to stand by myself, I'll still not be alone because God's with me. So, so you got to be purposeful. I'm, I'm going to give you a challenge here. What is your Jericho? I'm saying to you, don't just read the Bible in 2012. Start circling the promises of God. Can, can I get a witness? Let, let me tell you, I, I challenged many people to read the Bible last year, and many of you accomplished it, and soon, and maybe next week, we'll have the certificates for the rest of those who completed the Bible in 2011. Now, think what you want of me. I don't want it to be a bad thought, and I don't want you to think I'm trying to pump my ego. But I'm only telling you this because of what it means to my life. This year will be the 26th time I've started reading my Bible through. You know why? Because there are so many things in here that I have yet to get that I ain't gotten yet. You understand? I, I wish somebody would tell me. I challenged the first service. I wish somebody would tell me where I can get to somebody who binds books. Because i got some Bibles that I have circled, written in, highlighted in, that I have cried over, and its pages are torn, and the, bound, the, bonding, uh, or the binding is broken. i got to find me somebody in Atlanta somewhere where I can take my Bible to, because I want to get them fixed, because I've got some promises left. And I want to go back and stand in the circle with my Bible and say, God, you already did this, but there's some more left. And you, is, you are a God that will not let me die with the vision you've given me in my heart. <laughs> if you invite anybody to this church, you tell them, if they won't come for any other reason, say, come see a crazy wild Indian. <laughs> if you get lay me down to sleep prayers going, that's all the answers you're going to get. Don't just make a wish. Write down your life's dreams and goals. I got this journal I started this year. I've started several journals over the years. I've been challenged in the past to write my prayers down, and I was too lazy. Write my prayers down. The Bible says, write the vision, Habakkuk. Make it plain. I feel a what? Glory. I know you can tell. Yeah, I know. 
So I, I've written me some stuff down on yesterday morning while we were circling here in this altar. I wrote a four-page handwritten letter to God over the holidays. I won't be reading it to you because it don't say, Dear you, it says, Dear God. <laughs> I got me some circle going on. Let me see what I can tell. Brother Roger, I got me a circle going around Brother Laird, your father-in-law. His name is right here in this book. I got a circle going around revival for, the, for South Metro Ministry. And I got Holy Ghost revival. It's right there. I'm going to light your fire right now. Some of you that your wick is wet, I'm going to light your fire. I got a circle going around the presidential election of 2012. I got me a circle. <laughs> yeah. You see that? Now your wood's not wet anymore. I, I, I got me some prayer. Go, I got some prayer going on. About, well, that's my business. I'm praying some stuff over some of you that you, you wouldn't like it if I told you. So, <laughs> Come to the music. Make them think I'm stopping. Don't just pray. Write it down. Take them deposit slips that ain't doing you no good in your checkbook because you ain't been able to make no deposits. Write down some prayers on them. Am I preaching a little Indian? Yeah. We would prefer you not use our tithe envelope to write your prayer request, but if you have to, bring them down here. Put it in this box. Because here's, here's my challenge to you. Define your dream, claim your promise, and spell your miracle. Beginning today, I challenge this church. It will culminate on Sunday, January 22nd, through Wednesday, January 25th. Five days of, four or five days of what we call the encounter. I challenge you. If you don't want nothing, don't take the challenge. If everything is pie in the sky and everything's wonderful for you, and the, then don't take the challenge. There's no magic in 21 days necessarily. Why 21 days? Because the goal is to establish a habit of drawing prayer circles. You start, you do that 21 days, and you'll probably do the rest of your life. Yeah. Can I get an amen here? Yeah. Start today. Start today and pray around a promise. Get, get, you, get you another journal, a book, a notebook, a, some kind of something. And take your Bible and write down some promises. Draw a circle around yourself symbolically. And claim your healing. By his stripes, I am healed. Claim, claim your protection. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Claim some promises. Press circles around your Jericho. I don't know what your Jericho. What walls need to come down in your life? Give me an amen. What, 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 what secret sin needs to come down out of your life? What bad relationship needs to be severed in your life? What addiction habit needs to be broken in your life? Pray circles around it. And come the week of January 22 to 25, we're going to have fasting and prayer. We're going to stand in our circle. And we're going to say, God, you are not a God that you can lie. No, you're a God that you will lie. But if you said it, you'll do it. It's time to start circling. Rise to your feet, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. And after you've anchored your feet on the ground, <laughs> lift up your hands to the Lord and thank Him this morning that He's got circles around you that you don't even realize. Somebody's prayed circles around you. That's why you're here today. 
somebody's praying circles around you, even if it's not a human being, Jesus is doing it right now because he is a high priest. He is our great intercessor. He's our great go-between. Come on, raise your hand and thank God that the reason you are saved today and you got a sound mind is somebody circled you when you didn't even think you had a friend. Come on, and thank him for saving you. Come on, I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you. Now put them down for a moment. I'll see if I can wrap it up in a way that is very meaningful. I pray that when you get in the buffet line in the next 30 minutes, you won't forget the buffet God gave you right here. Brother Sammy, bring your team up front. Let them stand all the way across the front. And I may not even ask the people to come and you pray over them. So your team just stand there and begin to draw some circles. I want to challenge you right now for the next 21 days. Starting today. Get you some promises. Write you down some Jerichos that you want to see come down. Can I get an amen? Get you a little prayer journal. And steal away with God for the next 21 days. A little bit of time every day. I don't mean you all day. I mean in the morning. If that's your better time, take 10 minutes. If it's if in the evening, get away with God. And don't do it necessarily while you're doing something else that distracts you. Can I get an amen? Be purposeful. If, you, if you're desperate enough, ain't nobody going to tell you what your Jericho is. Pardon the grammar. But I'm telling you, if you've got an urgent, urgent enough need, nobody's going to come and say, well, maybe you should pray over that. It's already haunting you. And you don't need to go another day. You need to get you. You need to, for the next 21 days, say, I'm going to make it a habit. Symbolically or literally, I'm going to draw me a circle and I'm going to stand in it or kneel in it or lay in it with my face buried in my Bible. And I'm going to say to God, I'll meet you here every day for the next 21 days. You can count on me being here. And I won't leave if it takes 22 days. Can I get an amen? I won't leave it because I believe you have more for me than I, than I am getting now. Get in your mind a Jericho. Right now, right now, start right now. Get in your mind a Jericho. And now lift your hands and start circling it with prayer all over the church. Come on. Lift up your voices. Tell, um, begin marching around the Jericho of whatever it is you need to give to Patatasaya. Come on, right now. It may be a healing. It may be a job. It may be a house that is about to be foreclosed. Come on, get, get, get your Jericho. It may be a wayward son. It may be a wayward daughter. It may be a major decision you have to make. It may be that you're praying for the right person in your life as a spouse. Get your jilapahatalabahrisekatoya. Come on, lift up some more intercession all over this church. If you're not saved, your Jericho is salvation. You need to ask God today to cleanse you and He will. He's for you and not against you. If you're not saved, you need to ask Him. You need to say, Lord, I repent of my sins. If I die today, God, I would not go to heaven and it wouldn't be your fault because you're for me and not against me. So forgive me of my sins and wash me, Jesus. Come on, praise Him. Sing, my brother. Thank you, Jesus. Praise Him. God is great.